Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us here today on Brady's Corner. I'm Brady. This is my corner. Uh, we've got a very special guest today, Mark Zwag. And uh, I normally would have said of Zwag Group uh, for the second time, but uh, no longer because you've uh, um, currently no longer, uh, you said you sold uh, interest in that about four years ago? Yeah, that's um, started it in 88, sold it to a private equity firm in 2004 taken over by its lender in 2009, recruited me back in 2010, and then we sold it, uh, our interest in it uh, in 2018, late uh, fall or fall of 2018. So it's been, yeah, spending a lot of time on my porch since then, Brady. <laughs> well, I see you're, you're also um, involved in a lot of things in Northwest Arkansas. Which, by the way, um, we've seen signs in uh, in Austin that says, um, "Hey, hey, um, I, I I don't remember exactly what the advertisements say, but it says, um, do you wish you would have been in Austin ten years ago? Move to Northwest Arkansas, <laughs> and uh, that's yeah. what they're saying. Uh, you know, Austin, Northwest Arkansas, Fayetteville, Bentonville is the Austin of ten years ago." That's what they say. I'm, I'm hoping we don't turn into the Austin uh, traffic problems. <laughs> That's uh, true. But Austin is a great city. No, we're at super high growth area, you know, less than 2% unemployment, um, growing very rapidly, supposedly will double in size in the next 10 years. Absolute boom economy here and so much to do. Uh, best American Art Museum, there is with Crystal Bridges. And now we're trying to be known as the bicycling center of the world. The, the veil of, of bicycling is the, is the thrust of uh, Northwest Arkansas currently. But, well, uh, and you're still a professor at University of Arkansas. Yeah. That's right. Yes, I teach entrepreneurship. Um, been there for 18 years now. And uh, it's just, it's it's been the, one of the best jobs I've ever had, including my own business. I, I really do enjoy teaching entrepreneurship to my students. And, you know, this is sort of a corporate uh, area here. I mean, Bentonville, um, Walmart drives the economy. And, um, you know, I think the, they gave us one of, if not the largest donation ever given to a business school at one point. Um, the Walton Foundation, and and uh, you know, while it was a tremendous um, benefit to us, I'm sure they had some self-interest there in terms of trying to create workers for Walmart and all the companies that serve Walmart. So, my thrust has always been give people an alternative to selling their soul to the corporate devil. Let Let's talk about that for a little bit. So, how many of your students do you think go off and and start? Uh, become entrepreneurs? You know, that's a good question. I, I don't have, I used to keep a list, but it's just too long now. There's, there are hundreds. Okay. You know, if you look at all the students I've had over the years, one of my students um, was a guy named Mo Elliott. He started a company called Fayette Chill while he was in school here and just sold that to an investment group in Boston and did really well. He's living in, in uh, Santa Fe. Oh, wow. Uh, now, um, but yeah, it's really gratifying when you see that. My 
my neighbor in the last house we lived in, who was probably the best neighbor I've ever had, was a former student. He owns his own business and his wife is a, is a physician. I think she's an endocrinologist, but, um, and she's the daughter of another friend of mine. But, um, and then my, one of my son's-in-laws um, uh, married to my 31-year-old daughter. He, has, uh, he worked for a business that was started by one of my uh, former students as well. So it all kind of comes together and it's great. Um, the guy that lived next door to me, I gave him a B in the class when he got an 89.5 and he never forgave me for that. <laughs> but uh, it didn't affect his success in the business world, evidently. That's great. <laughs> That's great. So, so yeah. <laughs> what, what is it that, and, and I don't wanna you know, put all um, K through 12 schools in this category and, and colleges for that matter, but, but what is it do you think that they are teaching um, that really doesn't comport to, you know, the real world. Um, and, and, and by that, I mean, you know, they, at least in, in my experience, they teach, you know, learn, you know, learn your writing and, uh, writing and arithmetic and, you know, learn right. to be three a, R's. A, yeah, the three R's and reading, writing, arithmetic, and, um, you know, memorize this and, and, you know, learn to be good at regurgitating what you memorized. Um, well, you went to but, law school, you know, that's what that's all about, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be good at that. Yeah. But, but one of the things about <laughs> law school is, you know, you have to be able to, to look at a fact pattern and then, you know, apply, apply the, the law to, to facts and circumstances um, and then be able to be able to flip that, you know, be a sure. proponent of one way and um, defense attorney another way. So prosecutor versus defense or um, and plaintiff's attorney versus defense attorney, things like that. Um, and so, you know, the critical thinking skills are, are, are required, really, yes. or at least highly suggested. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's you know, it's hard for me to say. I mean, um, you know, if you look at well. One, one thing you got going for you is most students at state universities, um, and we are really highly ranked. I think we were the 26th ranked public college of business, maybe 25th this year. We're number one in the nation in supply chain, public or private, which is pretty cool. But um, it, it, the parents who send students to state universities want their kids to get good jobs. You know, and they think if they're going to do their own thing, it's like, why did you waste your education on that? Right. So, you know, that's kind of crazy. Um, we, we certainly have moved away from information regurgitation, at least in our college, which I think is a really well-run college of business. And we try to give our students lots of experience, um, lots of interaction with real business people, lots of real problems to actually solve. Um, and my students, you know, I don't give any tests. I have only have them write papers and do projects. Um, no multiple choice quizzes or anything like that. So it's um, we're trying to teach them how to think. And, and um, I think we're having some success. I'd say the biggest deficiency I find with students in general is a lack of accounting and finance knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, it's a real Achilles heel when you consider that that's the language of business 
And, you know, I know that's something you understand with the stuff that you do related to these R&D tax credits and all. Um, you know, it's it just, you've got to understand the numbers and how they relate and what they mean. And um, even though, you know, I'm sure many of them got good grades in accounting, they can't really, you know, explain what an income statement is versus a balance sheet versus a cash flow projection. Let's, I, let's stay on that topic and, and now convert the, you know, transition, evolve the, the topic over to architecture, engineering, construction. Oh, One yeah. of, uh, mine, and, mine and yours uh, favorite subjects here. Um, as you know, that's a, that's a focus of, of brains is, is the AEC and, and the, the built environment. Yes. Um, and, you know, and especially, I would say all three, but, you know, especially in the architectural engineering world, it's, it's interesting to find so many of these folks, um, you know, where, it, would you say that the financial and accounting is, is an, and the business of it is one of the most under uh, estimated or undervalued things? In, oh, in absolutely. I mean, you can do really well in that business, as you know. Um, it, but yeah, it's a huge deficiency. That's why I'm a big proponent of open book management and sharing the numbers with all your employees and really explaining how they relate. But yeah, it's, I mean, our industry, we're behind on almost everything. You know that. I mean, they figure it out somewhere else and then 10 years later, we get it. Um, it's so fragmented and the information seems to move slowly. Mm -hmm. through the system, you know, when you've got 100,000 small companies that make up the industry, just on the AE side, um, it's, it's a huge deficiency. I mean, most owners don't even understand the difference in cash and accrual accounting and, you know, the various revenue recognition methods one could use and how they totally change the look of your financials. Um, they're still out there beating on utilization, you know, Right. So they get, they get people who are billable and just overrun budgets. They don't really understand. I mean, like, I never care about that. All I look at is the net service revenue related to the total labor. That tells me everything. That's where it all comes Amen. together. Amen. You know? <laughs> or, or per person revenue is, yeah, is, yeah that's, and then, you know what they say is like, uh, what was it? The, uh, the managing partner was saying, uh, well, our, our utilization is up and, and the controller said, but it's a cruel world. <laughs> That's a dad joke. I mean, <laughs> even though the kids may not understand it. I'll, I'll uh, be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, they just, it seems like we repeat the mistakes, you know, over and over. I mean, right now, I just wrote my last Zweigletter article, which I still write every week. You know, and God knows I've done like 1,500 or more of those things. And uh, on tuning up your profitability, because I think we're getting fat. We're getting sloppy now again, piling on the overhead people and, you know, just doing all the things that get you in trouble when times go the other way. Although I'm not sure it's going to for a while. It's, you know, this economy is just roaring right now. It is. It is. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed on that. Let, you know, on the same subject is, is finance, you know, related to AEC. Mm -hmm. Why do you think there's such a reluctance for architecture, engineering and construction firms 
to to avail themselves of, of these tax credits. And for example, you know, R&D, 179D and the like. And when you can go and look at, you know, let's look at the public companies like AECOM. In right. fact, there was an article written that I think was intended to be kind of like a, a little bit of a hit piece, you know, against AECOM. But I thought when I read the articles, it was saying that, well, AECOM has very minimal or no federal income tax, but you and I both know that a company that big is paying millions upon millions, maybe hundreds of millions in other federal and state taxes. Sure, payroll related taxes. payroll. Yeah, these companies don't make a quote profit on their tax return because they bonus out a lot of their money, as we know, runs through the payroll system, completely legit. Mm -hmm you know, and, to do it like that. Well, but, one uh, of the things, you know, it talked about their, you know, all the millions of dollars they were taking on tax credits. I'm like, wow, I want to, I want to meet their CFO and shake their hand. Yeah. They did a great job. <laughs> right. No, I discover, I mean, I'm no expert in these, in these tax credits, but um, I was on the board of a company based in Southern California about 10 or 12 years ago when this stuff started really becoming something that smart firms did. And it saved us millions of dollars. Um, I can tell you that. And uh, it was legit. I mean, we were doing a lot of R&D related stuff that, mm -hmm. you know, was good to be able to recapture some of that. Right. Some of our methodologies that we put to use to do things faster and better. What would so. you say though to to the the managing partner or this or the CFO of of an a, AEC firm that is just like, well, do we really deserve it? We're being paid otherwise, you know, and a lot of this, um, even though we're not funded, you know, technically. What would you say to that that person? I, I mean, I, I can't say I've ever had that specific conversation, although it's not hard to imagine. It's I guess I would say is. It's completely legit. Um, you know, um, you're not tax avoidance is smart. Tax evasion is illegal. So That's right. you, know, you should take advantage of it. And uh, and you know, if you want to take the money that you save and put it somewhere else that you think is is valuable, then be my guest. I mean, you know, it's it's really um, it seems kind of silly that you wouldn't. I mean, that's like saying I'm a real estate um, investor, but I don't believe in depreciation because really my property went up in value. You know, I mean, that'd be pretty crazy because the depreciation is one of the best aspects of real estate ownership as anybody knows who's had it. What are you, okay, so we're, we're in very exciting times right now between architecture and engineering in particular. Um, we're, we're seeing, this is uh, M&A bonanza. Oh, no kidding. Where do you see this going over the, this year and next year? Man, you know, I just, I, nobody really knows, but with the demand exceeding supply to the extent that it is and all of the sort of pent up needs that are out there in the marketplace, you know, they say we've got 4 million too few houses, um, we, you know, we need better infrastructure everywhere you go. It's aging, it's deteriorated. We're trying to, to grow. I mean, it just doesn't seem like the demand side is gonna wane at all. So I see nothing but green pastures ahead. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I guess the only thing that could really change things would be 
we get in World War III or interest rates go to 12% overnight or something like that, you know, it's hard to predict the effect yeah. of those kinds of events. But, it, it, you know, understaffed, overworked, um, too much demand. I mean, I just don't see any end in sight. The needs are, the real needs are there. So yeah. we're going to keep doing well. And the investor community has discovered this industry. You know, they figured out that, hey, if you look at the return on equity in these companies, it's pretty darn good. You know, 50, 60, 70 percent in some cases or more on an annual basis. Um, that's a pretty good. And they're not, um, you know, historically, they've been undervalued compared to things like public accounting firms or IT consulting firms. So um, to a certain extent, we've been discovered by the investor community. You know, you mentioned AECOM early on. You know, that was certainly one of the early uh, leaders in this buy, buy, buy uh, move. But uh, it's, it's a great industry and uh, it's got a lot of legs in it, I think. I don't see it slowing down. So in the past, one of, one of the observations that I would make is in the past, um, you didn't see a lot of mixing of architecture and engineering in the same firm. And now you're starting to see that uh, acquisition and, you know, the, the merging of, of architecture firms with engineering firms. Do you think that's going to be somewhat of a trend um, going I, forward? I think that's been a trend. And I think the more uh, sort of maybe more, um, uh, critical is the trend to get into at-risk construction for these companies. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where the real money flows um, through the contracting business, as you know. And so I think that's a bigger change. You know, the architects getting into engineering, the problem with that is it, it's always been that good engineers don't like working for architects. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they just don't. They they feel like the architects are too ego driven, and and they it's hog all the limelight. They can't go get engineering only projects. So that's there. There are some issues associated with that. Structural engineers may be the exception. They they don't mind. They like to team up with an architect and sure. stay together over the long haul. But the um, you know the engineers getting into the architecture business now that's a that's an interesting move and and uh, you know one of the companies i was an owner in 35 years ago we we tried that and uh, then we divested the architects because there was just too much cultural incompatibility but i i do think that this whole integration of design and construction i've resisted using aec as a moniker because I don't like it. Um, I think the architecture and engineering business is completely different from contracting. Oh yeah. Having been an owner in both, you know, um, companies, um, both types of businesses. I mean, the, the morality, the sense of ethics, the business orientation, they're just completely different in those two worlds, kinds of people that you deal with. Um, it's just a different world, but that is the way the marketplace seems to be moving is more integration of design and construction for a lot of reasons. Thank you so much, uh, Mark, for joining and giving us the time today. Um, before we jump off, do you have any uh, words of wisdom for somebody that might be looking to launch their own architecture or engineering or construction firm? Well, uh, 
now's a great time. Um, you know, I think my best words of wisdom, Brady, would be to either have as a mentor or set up a formal board of advisors uh, at a minimum made up of people who have already been successful in the business. I think if people would do that, you know, they're going to be a lot more successful and be able to gain ground a lot faster. You look at Kit Miyamoto out there um, at Miyamoto International is a great example. I joined his board when he had about eight or nine employees, and we already had a board with Peter Yanev, who was the founder of EQE on it. And I brought in Ed Friedrichs, who was the CEO of Gensler, and, you know, we had some pretty smart people in there. Um, gosh, I mean, Kit's been unbelievably successful. He'll tell you, Yanev in particular gave him the blueprint on how to build a, take a, a company that was doing tilt wall buildings and industrial parks and turn it into one of the leading earthquake and seismic design firms in the world. Wow. You know, and having Yanev right there. Um, and the only way he got Yanev, he asked them, met him one time asked him and the guy said sure i'll do it so that's my best advice that is very sage advice and um i think i think everybody would uh would be wise to 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 take that advice so <laughs> um i i know i i depend on on advisors all the time so uh, i would 100 agree with you and mark thank you so much again for giving us the time i hope you'll join us again yeah be uh, fun and, you know, really appreciate this. I know our uh, audience is going to love this. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us here on Brady's Corner. Make sure to like and subscribe. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.